He scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. He scores! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg. All right, we are underway this hour on Flames Talk. Welcome to your first episode of September. And welcome to your first episode officially of a new hockey season because uh, Flames Talk is back and uh, we're not going anywhere for the rest of the season. little all-star break uh, hiatus. But we're here until whenever the season comes to an end. Welcome to the program. Welcome to this hour on a Tuesday, September 5th. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Steinberg coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. A busy hour coming your way, and uh, it's a Tuesday. It's the official start of a new Flames Talk season, which means uh, we've got to welcome back one of our favorite weekly contributors, our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli, kicked us off this hour from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Hello, Frank. How we doing? I'm good. I'm back. Good Give to have me, you uh, back. A little, little Sunday scaries on Monday. Yeah. Kids back in school, dad back to work. <laughs> So you're so, uh you're you're back for the season too. All uh, yes. all summer hiatuses are done for. Yep, uh, that is gone and out the window. Went by fast, but uh, much needed to recharge the batteries. Yep, agreed, a hundred percent. And uh, there's hey. only so many times you can say that there's nothing new with the Flames and their contractual statuses <laughs> in one summer. Um, is there anything new with the Flames and their contractual statuses now that it's almost the fall? Not to my knowledge. It's funny because two weeks ago we had you on and asked you if anything would be different when we're back doing weekly hits in a couple of weeks and and if anything would change. And and you said, yeah, probably not. And here we are. Nothing has changed. And it looks like it's going to be, when you take a look at this roster and their uh, the, the, the certain contractual conversations we're having, it sure does feel more and more like status quo when we start training camp here in Calgary in less than three weeks. Yeah, go back to their mission and mandate, which I've talked about a lot. That's to try and win. What's the path to try and win? Keep these players that you have on your team. It can't be a mass exodus. Mm-hmm. You're never going to bottom out with the talent of Huberto and Uyghur and Kadri. You hope that Jacob Markstrom bounces back. He doesn't need to be 922 again, but like 910 would be nice. And all of a sudden you see a path to the playoffs again. Yep. It, and uh, then who knows? Look at the Florida Panthers, eight seed. 100% and almost weren't the eighth seed, right? Like they, they, they lost their way into the playoffs. Exactly. They, they truly did throw it into reverse and still got in, which um, pours a bunch of cold water all over. A, well, you got to get hot at the right time, Frank. You got you to gotta be, be rolling heading into the playoffs. You're not going anywhere. Um, and Florida poured cold water all over that. It's true, though. Like it, uh, at, at this stage, when you take a look at all of what has happened this summer, and I know that, I know that, and we'll get into some of the specifics in a second, but I know that 
there has not been the type of player movement that was maybe predicted or talked about this summer. And a lot of the players that we were all interested in remain members of the Flames right now. But we are talking about a brand new regime when it comes to this coaching staff, a brand new management group with this team. And, you know, in the two most important spots, head coach and general manager, two new faces as well. So just just for that reason alone, I think that there's some optimism coming into this season that, Hey, they may not win the Pacific Division, but it could be a whole lot better than the disappointing campaign we endured last season. There's no doubt. And I can tell you this. I don't know how much better the Calgary Flames are going to be this season, but I can tell you for damn certain that it's going to feel and look Mm -hmm. a lot different than it did last season. Yep. That players are going to be energized to want to come in and compete. I think last year wore on them in such a significant way. It's a total breath of fresh air with the coaching staff. And I think you're going to have a different, as good to everyone as Brad True Living was and how well-liked he was, that same sort of sentiment and energy, I think, exists from Craig Conroy. And maybe even on a more personal level, not only because he's been there before, but he's been a Calgary Flame. He's been in the battles. He's been a captain. I think he gets it. Um, And I think that continuation of the good vibes from the front office is certainly there. Now they're going to get them on the bench, in the dressing room. No one's going to be holding it over their head, you know, in the first period as they're tied with no score (laughs) that there's going to be practice in a few days or the next day. No, uh, no going in and telling Vladdy to get ready in a zero zero tie after twenty minutes of Come play. Come on, like that stuff just drives me up a wall. Yeah, it uh, it was just another indication of why the change absolutely needed to happen. And and yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, there's there's clearly a, a different feel and a different buzz. And and so relating that to let, let's let's relate it to the guy that that I think is at the very top of the conversation list, and that's Elias Lindholm. Because you know, I I. I really wonder how much of his decision-making process is going to be about coming into camp this year, seeing what a new vibe is like, seeing how different it is coming to the rink every day, and even seeing how that translates itself into practice and, more importantly, into games that matter once we get to October. From from your understanding, how much do you think that plays in to what Lindholm's ultimate decisions is going to be here? Yeah, I think the door's wide open, Pat. Like... If there is a good feel, if there's a talented team, if there's a belief that Elias Lindholm has a chance to win, that I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Flames turn around and and try and turn up the temperature to get a deal done before the season starts. Put all these questions to bed. Let's make you the centerpiece of the literal centerpiece of our lineup. Yep. Fascinating to see how... uh how how it's all going to play out and i but if you were elias lindholm wouldn't yep. you want that too wouldn't you want to see what it's like yeah I, I and i don't i don't i actually think that there's because there's a lot of talk out there about how well lindholm's only looking for the biggest payday and he's only looking for all he cares about is getting x amount of dollars and he'll sign in calgary if he gets those x amount of dollars but i think him I honestly believe, I think him coming to camp and and evaluating and starting to make his own uh, opinions and decisions on the way this thing is trending and the way it's feeling like it's going to trend going forward, I, I that that tells me that 
you know, he's coming into it with an open mind, Frank, and, and, and coming into it with more than just the bottom dollar on his mind when it comes to making his decision. But it should. Like 100%. It's a, a seven-to-eight-part process that you work your way through, and money is a part of it and a big part of it. But I say this all the time. The difference between you know, 68 million and 75 or whatever the number ends up being like, it's not, it's really not going to change your life. When you make that much money and you've already got that much money in the bank, like you might be able to buy a bigger boat, but by and large, you're well taken care of. Your kids are well taken care of. Your grandkids are going to be well taken care of. There's not really a lot to think about in terms of the money because the market is going to be the same everywhere. And so it's really about chance to win, comfort, where you live, who your coach is, how they view you and how you're going to be utilized. And some of these things change. You know, the coach, you sign an eight-year deal, like you're probably going to see three or four coaches during that tenure. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. But the other things that could come along, like I think think one of the big questions is, and I think – a lot of these Flames players, as they begin to trickle into town, they know it's going to be different. But I think there was some question when Ryan Huska, because he spent so much time on the Flames bench, the question was how different. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to get a sense of how different it is right from Jump Street. When when we're talking Lindholm and his decision to to sign back in Calgary or not sign back in Calgary, and and you know both you and I have have kind of thrown out very similar numbers in terms of what we're hearing on what that eight year deal probably comes in at and what the offer is out there, kind of in the eight and a half to nine million dollar range annually. Uh-huh. Does he does he get that? Let's say say that he decides. He's not going to. Uh, he's not going to sign back here, and and maybe looking towards free agent in less than a year. Does he get that same dollar figure on the open market? Do you think, or does the biggest payday, even annually, not not even counting in that extra year, does it come with the Flames? Do you think? Tell me what kind of season he has first. Yeah, that's good really point. it's like, a good point. Not to say that that's all that it comes down to, but I think a lot of teams are really curious, like, are we seeing Lindholm the 65-point guy or 70-point guy, or are we seeing Lindholm the 80- to 85-point guy that scores 40 goals? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the defense and the complete game, all that matters, but so much of what goes into the formula of making an AAV, it really comes down to production. And... He's been such an extreme bargain these last few years. I'd say in the top five underpaid players in the league, Mm -hmm. and that's been such a boon and benefit to the Calgary Flames and their cap situation, that some fans, I could understand you looking at this saying, Lindholm, he turns 29 in December, eight-year deal will take him to age 38, essentially. Um, he'll be playing into that 37, 38 year old season. Maybe, maybe this doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe we just got the five or six best years of Lindholm on an absolute bargoon of a contract (laughs) and let's just shake hands and move on. 
Well, it's funny, and it's funny you went there because that was a hundred percent next on my list. The whole idea of that cost-benefit analysis, and I've I've done it myself, and I've wrestled with it myself. And and for me, despite the fact all of what you just said, the fact that he will be playing into his thirty-eight-year-old, like he'd be he'll be thirty-eight when that eight-year deal expires, because yeah, he'll be turning thirty in the year that the new contract begins if it's an eight-year deal. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some real worry, and I think there's a dilemma of like, okay, well, Huberdo and Kadri and Uyghur are all in the same age range, and they also were on big money deals that take them to the same age. Can the Flames latch themselves on to another one? It's I I still lean on signing him as the better play, but it's not it's not a 100 percent simple, no questions asked, black and white issue. It's a it's a fascinating dilemma the Flames have on their hands when it comes to the age of the, the guy that they're trying to sign here. And I, I wonder how much that dilemma is being kicked around behind closed doors right now. I don't think as much as we might think, because I think a lot of front offices look at it like it's really difficult to get players of this caliber. The only way to really do it is to draft one. Mm-hmm. And you essentially end up chasing your tail trying to replace this guy overpaying either in assets or dollars that sometimes the easiest thing to do is to just keep him and say, you know what, let's, let's figure that out in year six. Is Craig Conroy still going to be the GM in year six? Maybe Brad true living had quite a long run. Will you and I be talking on the radio in eight years? Will radio even exist in eight years? I, you know what I mean? Like it sounds kind of close, but it's also like really far away. Like we're talking like 2033. Yeah. We'll both be in our, well into our forties. Yeah. I mean, I can't even see to like the end of like October (laughs) and I'm just like 2033. What? Yeah. It's, it's, it feels like another lifetime away. I mean, maybe you just, don't worry about that. Well, and a, a lot of that, that's kind of a lot of the, the reasoning that I fall into when saying, yeah, I still think as much as it's not 100% ideal, I still think signing Lindholm and, and if you can, getting him signed to a long term extension is the way to go because of how difficult that position is to replace on any team and how many years the Flames wandered around in the mud with different regimes trying to find that position as a number one center. Uh, yeah, and and the fact But that, here's the thing. Yep. It's a two-part problem because you may want to sign him, which I believe they've made significant offers, and I think with you, I believe what's been floating out there, eight times eight and a half million bucks, um, that's on the table, if not more than that, mm-hmm. and he hasn't signed it. So I think that tells you all you need to know. You can want to get something done, but he's got to be able to, or he's got to want to put pen to paper. Yep. yep. And that uh, that's going to see if the convincing process works once we get to training camp in a little it's, less than three weeks. I would say this season is also potentially, and this is what could work in the Flames' favor with all of their guys that are pending UFAs, is these are mutually beneficial problems. The only way for Elias Lindholm to maximize his value is to go out and have a killer season. The yep. only way for yep. Noah Hannafin to cash in in a big way is to go out there and crush it. Yep. And doing so, and this was one of the reasons why I was 
a proponent of Craig Conroy slow playing these contractual situations the way that he has is because what it does is it not only allowed him to regain control of what seemed to be a somewhat unwieldy situation. You know, remember pre-draft me putting those tweets out there and people's hair is on fire. And he dumped to Foley quickly because that was the most pressing. But what it's done is allowed him to gain control and also, and perhaps most importantly, put all of the pressure squarely on the players to perform. Yep. You've got, you can't, you can't come into camp lazy and pretend like you don't want to be here. Cause you need a good year. This is a contract year. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of like around times over. It's kind of like whether, you know, when, when Jacob Chikrin had the desire to leave Arizona for as long as he did, it just felt like, okay, great. You still got to go and be a pro and play well and be a good teammate. Cause that's going to help your case. That's what's going to get you out of here. Exactly. Exactly. And he did that. Yep. He came back and coming off of multiple surgeries, had a really good start to the year, yep. which helped push along a trade. Yep. thousand percent. We're chatting with Frank Saravalli. He is our NHL insider daily faceoff, dailyfaceoff.com. Back for another year on Flames Talk, joining us on Tuesday. What What is the temperature league-wide? Like it, it is it as quiet? Has it changed? Because we talked about how quiet it's been for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Has anything changed? Is it still as quiet as it's been for the better part of the summer since the draft ended? It's been really quiet. Um, And I think part of that will heat up in the sense that there's still a few restricted free agents that need to get worked out. Trevor Zegras and Shane Pinto and a few others. Part of it is there's a couple teams looking to make some minor moves. Like I was talking to one team today, which I'm not obliged to share. Um, They're looking to sign a a free agent that's still lingering out there, but they got to make a trade first. Okay. So little things like that, that I'm not expecting anything seismic, but there's still some transactions to be had. And this is almost fully related to an, another year of a essentially a flat flat cap like we're talking about the economic situation dictating the quietness out there uh, not really i think there was such you know one of the things you said earlier it kind of got me thinking of hey um here are you know here are the things that that we were expecting more player movement and we didn't get it and i just while we were chatting, I went back to look at my notes to yeah. see all the guys that were moved. I mean, we still had Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kevin Hayes, Alex DeBrinket, Taylor Eric Hall. Carlson. I mean, there's still more to come, but there was Ross Colton, Taylor Hall. Like There was enough player movement to make it interesting, and then you're still looking at guys like, hey, what happens with Connor Hellebuck this season? Mm-hmm. Do the Washington Capitals make one last ditch to to move Evgeny Kuznetsov? What about Mark Shifley? Like, there's a few guys that are still left that you're like, okay, John Gibson. What happens with the Flyers and Travis Konechny as he, you know, he's got two more seasons left at five and a half. Like, Brett Pesci in the Carolina Hurricanes. He seems like the odd man out. There's There's a lot that's sort of percolating, but not anywhere it's not really at a boil okay 
Um, we have not spoken since the uh, the Austin Matthews deal. Um, I'm just curious as to it's been a couple of weeks now. I believe it's uh, about two weeks to the day that he signed his deal. Um, what uh, what what's been the reaction around the league to kind of a, a bar resetting contract for Toronto superstar? A lot of people that I spoke to seem to kind of shrug because when I say this and for you say it, it is a record setting contract in terms of AAV, people were just kind of like, yeah, that's about where I thought it would be. And you heard Brad Tree Living say it was the right number. Mm-hmm. I happen to also think it's the right term. And people laugh at that and say, well, four years, everyone else got eight. Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Leon Dry said, oh, pick, pick the star superstar player. And they've almost all gotten eight years. But what's wrong with four? Austin Matthews, that deal will expire at age 31. He'll have made $114 million. And if you're a Leaf fan, and just the same conversation that we were having about Lindholm. Yep. Look at the typical forward age curve. Can players still be impact superstars well into their 30s? Of course they can. Nikita Kucherov is that age, and we still think of him as elite of the elite. Mm -hmm. And sure, why not? But if he does decide to walk at that point, which I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that he would, you bought the 13 best years of Austin Matthews' career from 18 to 31. Do you need to get greedy? I mean, I guess so, if you're a fan. But I think the term is fine. Like there were people were up in arms when he signed a five-year deal coming out of entry level for this exact moment of, oh my God, is he gonna stay? Is he gonna go? We're walking him right to free agency. Oh no, what could happen then? He wants to go back to Arizona. People are making coyotes jerseys with Austin Matthews name and number on it. He just resigned for four more. Mm-hmm. So I mean as I say all the time, if you're scared get a dog. <laughs> I like that. Does uh does this um or how does this impact maybe more more uh I guess urgently Leon Drysaddle's next deal in Edmonton. I think everybody's eyes are on Connor McDavid the year after that, but how much of an impact does this have on those next two deals? I I don't think a real significant one. Um, I was calling it earlier today. This has been like the summer of Connor and Leon because I feel like anytime Connor McDavid popped up on social media, Leon Drysaddle was right next to him. Yeah. Concert. <laughs> yeah, they were all over the place. Beach, together. vacation, wherever you name it, those two are like attached at the hip. And I say that in a good way because if you're thinking of Leon Dreisaitl's next deal and, and Connor McDavid's next deal, whatever those numbers end up being, um, though, what's really clear is those two guys, not only do they really like playing with each other, but they're really close. And there is not one other team on the planet where one of those guys could get the same experience with the other. They both can't go somewhere together. Mm -hmm. The only way they can do that is in Edmonton. So to think that um, 
any of those guys are going anywhere, I think is crazy. You, you have further evidence this summer with the Oilers hiring Jeff Jackson, Connor McDavid's longtime agent as their new CEO. Um, a voice that obviously Connor McDavid really trusts will now help steer the ship in a much needed succession plan yep. uh, up highway two. And whatever that number looks like, I think the Oilers are well prepared with the cap increasing that that increase is essentially just going to go in Leon Dreisaitl's pocket. Two more quick ones. What uh, What's your gut say on how this plays out with Elias Pettersson in Vancouver as he enters the final year of his current deal? Damn good question. I think the Canucks, I have them knocking on the door of the playoffs this year. Thatcher Demko plays the way that he did when he returned. You have Pettersson take the next step in his career. I, I just don't think he's – he strikes me as one of those guys that's not super motivated about money. And I say that in like a pleasant way. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't what drives every part of him. That he's already pretty well taken care of. He's got another $7.5 bucks coming his way this year. It's actually ten two five in real cash. That they'll find some path, probably a number that starts with – my guess is he's likely in the 11 range. Okay. Eight years, 88 million. Is that like, if I were to say that to you, does that sound nope. outlandish? Not at all. Not, not for, not for the way that he has, you know, I know he had the dip and I guess it was year two ish, but not the way that he has continued to develop. And I mean, you take a look at the year he had last year. He's, he is the heartbeat of that hockey team and he's uh, an elite number one center in this league. The guy can, the guy's looking at, at least the way I see it, the guy's looking at you're projecting multiple hundred point seasons here going forward. I'd like to see him continue with, uh, just to continue with that goal scoring, get into the mid forties, low fifties. Okay. Yep. Which I don't think is out of the question. Um, what's uh, anything else on your radar? Have we covered everything? No, I think we've covered everything for a September 5th edition. <laughs> it's not bad, hey? All right, get out of here. Yeah. Good stuff. Good to have you back, Frank. Flames talk. Love to see it return. Uh, excited. Yeah, Let's me go. too, man. We'll talk to you next week, hey? Have a good one. All right, thanks, Frankie. That's Frank Saravalli. He is our NHL insider. Daily Faceoff, dailyfaceoff.com. He's back on Tuesdays on Flames Talk. And this week, he joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. This is Flames Talk. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's say hello to Aaron Vickers with us this hour from NHL.com and more. Hello, AV. Welcome back to Flames Talk. Patrick, I very much agree. I appreciate you having me back. I very much agree. I very much agree (laughs) with you that it's great for you to have me back. (laughs) Well, good. It is good to have you back. Uh, Vic's back for another season of Flames Talk. Uh, This episode is uh, officially episode one of the coming season, of which there will be hundreds. I don't know how many, but I can't do that math. But there will be hundreds of episodes between now and when Flames Talk goes on its next summer hiatus. So we're back. We are. Uh, we're back. 
Pat's back. I appreciate uh, you. <laughs> we're uh, we're here and we're uh, we're going full throttle until the season starts and beyond. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Um, now we've talked lots of. There's really like news wise nothing different on September fifth compared to August fifth or uh, July fifth or June fifth, May fifth, so on and so forth. It's been it's been a very I guess June fifth to July fifth there was change because there was the Toffoli trade and some free agent additions and subtractions. But for the most part, since the beginning of July, it has been a status quo summer for the Calgary Flames. And one of the conversations that we've had numerous times across all our different shows and all our different platforms is talking about a, you know, potential bounce back seasons for the flames, because it's an easy topic to dive into with how many guys who struggled last year or how many guys had down years. I mean, other than in terms of players that are still on the team, other than Backlund, Dubé, Coleman, and maybe Rasmus Anderson, Everybody else, I guess Nikita Zadorov. I don't know if we point to him as a, as a big time offensive contributor, but I mean, a good chunk of the players that the Flames look to to provide their primary offense had significant down years based on their career totals. So yeah, talking bounce back, it makes sense because they're going to need a lot of guys to bounce back this season. First off, I'm a little offended you didn't make a Charlie's Angels reference when you said full throttle there. So strike one for you, but it's only episode one. We've got some time to build. And wasn't full throttle episode two of the? I mean, it was a sequel. Were you, you going to save it really though no, for I, Wednesday? I didn't even think about it. Fair enough. Anyways, you're right in terms of the sense that who never mind just played to expectation because I think a lot of the guys you named, including Dubé. Coleman played to expectation. I think Backlund exceeded a little bit. So when you go down the list of players that quote unquote exceeded the expectation for what you would expect last September to, to what they produced really the number one guy that jumps out to me is Tyler Toffoli in terms of who's no longer a member of the Calgary flames who was dealt day before the draft. So yeah, there's going to be no shortage of bounce back candidates in this conversation. I've jotted down four just kind of off the top of my head and just did a little bit of back digging. But yeah, there are a lot of guys on this roster that even if they don't hit career highs, but just get back to what is closer to career norms, the Calgary Flames are going to be in a lot better shape than they were last season. I mean, so just thought like Huberdeau, Lindholm, Kadri, Weger, Hannafin, those are all guys that I think could be in line for bounce back years. Of course, Hannafin, Lindholm, we don't know what their future looks like beyond next season or beyond the start of training camp. I did leave one name off there, and it's the guy I want to dive into right now. Any, anything you wanted to add in that respect before we get there? Did I glaze over you saying Markstrom, or did you Oh, no, I well? did not. No, I did. I was talking purely offense. Okay. And, and that's not, that's not, I was just thinking purely Production. offense when I put it down, but no. Both Markstrom and Vladar, I think, are big-time candidates for bounce backs, too. 100%. No, I just yeah. left them out. I think those are absolutely valid. All right. Makes sense. I just wasn't sure if you are going the full production no, just, route and just for the sake of identifying no, players that obtuse. can bounce back. I just, it's, hard to, it's hard to get past certain hurdles in this brain of mine. I don't know what to say to that. You look like you were trying to say something. Yeah, like, nothing happened. So I guess it's working both sides of the table here right now. I'm not going to lie. So the name that... I haven't mentioned who I think personally, 
I guess I feel most confident in this guy having a bounce back season because there's a lot of talk about, I'm confident in a lot of these guys. I know the biggest name that we talk about having a bounce back year is Huberdo, mainly because his year was so bad based on his career norms. But the guy for me is Andrew Mangiapane. It really is. I think, I think I am most confident about him having a significant bounce back year. And I apologize to regular listener and texter Dylan and Revelstoke because he'll be pulling his hair out as we talk about this. But I'm a big time believer in the player. I'm a big time believer in what I think he's capable of on an annual basis. Um, and he spoke to the media just over a week ago. Uh, Vix was there. I know you've probably heard this on some of our, our different uh, programs across our family, but I just wanted to play a little bit of this conversation. So this was last Monday, just over a week ago at the Calgary Italian Open, where he was kind of the, the featured. You were uh, you asked some good questions. You, uh, you Thanks, asked buddy. Some, and the, all of what I'm about to play all came due to your sexy questions. Oh, you did say it. I was getting it teed up. I'm like, read it. I didn't actually write that for the record for no, anybody I, wondering. I did. Pat did. Um, first of all, we know he's coming off off-season shoulder surgery, so he talks a little bit about that, um, and that's kind of where it starts. But, you know, you're talking about a pretty optimistic Manjapani about the team, but also about his coming year. Here's just a little bit of what he had to say when he was in town just over a week ago. Obviously, I had a shoulder surgery in the, the off-season there, but um, everything uh, was going as planned, and... Um, you know, the medical team and the, the surgeon and everything like that is uh, saying uh, it's looking great. So, um, like I said, just excited to kind of start camp on time and to just get everything going. Are you 100% in your training and everything like that at this point? And you're good to go for opening day? Yeah, I, I'd say so, right? I'm on the on the ice. I just got to get, I guess, cleared for kind of the physical contact and doing all that stuff. But, um, yeah, as far as kind of the on ice, though, I'm shooting and passing practicing like I normally would and working out like I normally would, right? So um, still got to keep up with, I guess, the physio and, uh, you know, making everything stronger. But, you know, it's uh, it's looking good right now. What expectations do you put on yourself for your game this season? Uh, just kind of go back to the way I know how to play, right, and uh, be a hardworking, tenacious forward. That's kind of where it always uh, comes down to for me is just, um, you know, being the hardest working player on the ice. And that's when I, I'm playing my best hockey is when I'm all over the puck and, people can't knock me off and things like that right so I get back to that I think um, you know I think my season's going to be you know pretty good I think right I think that's when I'm at my best and uh, I'm excited just to kind of go back out and just play and you know now I'm kind of 100% kind of fully healthy and everything like that so um, like I said right it's just more exciting to go back and be ready for camp and you know just start the ball ball rolling for me uh, Right, I know camp even last year. I missed some missed some games and missed some practices last year uh, uh, due to an injury. So I'm just healthy and I'm, I'm ready to go. Julian kind of talked about it from the forward perspective of the scoring pressure. Do you put some of that on yourself being a former 35 goal guy? Yeah, and um, I don't see any reason why I can't get back to that or you know do do better. Right, it's um, it's there for me. I've done it in the past. Right, and I think for me, like I said, I just got to go out there and play my game, be tenacious, hard working. You know, and um, the scoring opportunities and the goals, I think, will come for me. Great questions from Aaron Vickers, which led to great answers from Andrew Manchapani. But no, um, that that's I, that that's I think really good to hear, and good that you're hearing that from him going into the season. First of all, let, let, before before we dive too much into it, 
are you uh, in the same school? Like, are you feeling pretty confident? I'll give you my reasons in a second, but are you feeling confident that he does have that type of rebound season? I'm not going to come here and declare that he's going to get 35 or more based on his, I don't see any reason why I can't go back to that or do better. But I think high 20s is certainly within the realm of expectation for him. And just for some backstory on the injury, he told us that it happened a few games into the season. So we're talking about something that he battled from mid-October all the way to the end of the year to having surgery. And he talked a a little bit more about it and and was saying, you know, he'd go through stretches where it'd be quote-unquote fine and then it'd be problematic. And you wouldn't know when it would be problematic and when it would be fine. You'd go through stretches back and forth till finally needing to have the surgery to correct it. And he said he was kind of relieved that he actually ended up needing to have the surgery so he wouldn't be questioning it a so little bit always hanging over your so head. you're always in the back of your mind and and to me i uh, he said something in that last quote too i've just got to go out there play my game be tenacious and hardworking, and the scoring opportunities and goals will come now i'm not going to question his work ethic at all but i don't think he was as tenacious he wasn't as bumpy and, and combative in the corners and things like that year over year for me from when he scored 35 to last year when he had 17 and I think having the surgery and being able to go through an offseason, understanding and knowing your body and knowing that this shouldn't be an issue that lingers through another season, mm-hmm. he can get back to more the way he played when he scored 35 goals because his bread and butter is made in the corners and in front of the net. And if you're always worried that any sort of physical contact is going to disrupt you, then I can understand the situations where you're a little hesitant. I don't think we're going to see a hesitant Andrew Mangiapane, and I think he's fully one of those guys in line for a, a bounce back year. Well, and and to take it that much, because it's kind of two main reasons why I'm feeling on top of just I really believe in the player. I really do. Yeah. I think that I think that what he's shown us gives us a pretty good baseline of what you should be able to expect annually, kind of as a median target for a guy like Andrew. But first of all. He's healthy. And and I think that's a really that's something that cannot be underscored enough. Because like if you were to take the entire snapshot of a season and start a season at the beginning of training camp until when you play your final game and go your separate ways, playoffs or no playoffs, Manjapani would have been healthy for like one point two percent of it because even counting training camp, he came to camp with an injury, yeah. missed practices and preseason games with an injury. They didn't want to dial him up too quickly. So he didn't, he kind of started behind the eight ball relative to other guys, finally gets going and then gets hurt again in the early stages of the regular season. So he was barely at any point fully healthy. And while he could play through it, I think that him coming into this year, as he said, feeling 100%, doctors say he's 100%, isn't going to be missing time to start training camp, all of a sudden he hits the ground running at a much more effective way than he did last year. So the health factor is reason number one. And reason number two, I I think that he was a victim of some significant bad luck last year. I, I And maybe it was somewhat related to what he was playing through. I don't think we'll ever know. He cut like he dropped about five, six percent in his shooting percentage year over year. And okay, the first year in that year over year is the best season he's ever had. He drops in the second year. So he goes from 
18.9. Sorry, he got not not 5%. It was basically cut half. in half year over year. It's 5% from his average. So he went from 18.9% to 9.3% in one season. Yeah, you're going to go from 35 to 17 goals. It, that's basically halved because, well, you know what? He took about the same amount of shots, and his shooting percentage was halved, and 17 times 2 is 34, which is essentially half 35. So, yeah, it uh, the math all works out from Professor Pat over here. Well, you stole half of my equation because you're right. It's 9.3% shooting percentage and his 0.21 goals per game were his lowest since he was a rookie in 2018-19. Now, if I'm not fully confident in what my shoulder is going to do, I can imagine that while the volume hasn't dropped, the quality probably has a little bit too. So I, I will attribute some of that shooting percentage drop to luck, Could but I'll also, well I'll also reference it. And I don't know exactly what's going on with it, what was going on with his shoulder. But again, if I've, I've got to shoot the puck, chances are I'm not as powerful and picking spots and accurate as I am with healthy shoulders. So... Yeah, they're all the all the reasons for Andrew Mangiapane to bounce back to be closer to that 35 goal mark makes sense in hindsight. And I'm going to be completely honest, and I don't know if you knew or not, but I had no idea he was battling this all no, season. No, I, I didn't. Then that. shoulder surgery did. comes up and it raises an eyebrow, and then you get a chance to talk to him. He's like, I asked him like, when uh, when did this happen? He was kind of hesitant. I'm like, well, can you can you ballpark me a month? And he's like, that eh, was a couple games into the season. Oh, October. Oh, so you were dealing with this for the entire calendar of the season. The whole 2022-2023 campaign, sans three, maybe four games, you were banged up and had no confidence that your shoulder was going to do what it was supposed to do. Oh, okay, well, yeah, now all of a sudden it makes more sense that 17 goals and 43 points was the byproduct of that, not the 35 goals and 55 points you had a year before. And he still played... All 82 games. See, and I don't think, so when I talk about bad luck, I don't think that you have your shooting percentage halved and there's not luck that plays in. Right. And, and, and fully healthy or not. You know, I, I think that there would, be, there would be luck that plays into it 100%. I also don't know if I look at him as an 18, 19% shooter, which he was the prior two years. I think we're probably talking about a guy who shoots well above average. Uh, if the average on ice shooting percentage is kind of in the nine percent range, um, when it changes year over year, but like I, I usually ballpark it around nine. I think Mangiapane's a an accurate finisher. He's got a good shot. He gets to hard areas. I think he's a thirteen to fourteen percent career guy overall. His career average fourteen point nine percent. I think it's somewhere in that. 13, 14% range. So if you start to do some math, which I did beforehand so I could use a calculator, um, if he gets back to his average-ish shots, which I think is, I think he's capable of being more of a volume guy, but he was 185 and 181 the last two years. So if we put him at 185, I think he can add you know, half a shot per game-ish per year. I really do think he's got the ability to be more of a volume shooter. Maybe some more power play time could help in that regardless. But if we just go on 185 shots and he goes at 14%, that's 26 goals. And that's kind of where I see him. I don't know if I see Manjapani as a 35-goal guy in this league year over year. I think he's a guy that flirts with 25 to 30. That's kind of where he comes in year over year. I think that's what he's getting paid to be. 
And if you can have Manjapani back to 25 to 30 goals and you can bump an extra 10, 9 to 10 out of them year over year, I think you're going to notice that there's a little bit of an impact made there. Yeah, and the one thing about his shooting is, to me, he's somewhat selective. I don't have the home plate area or the um, Andrew Mangiapane shot chart or anything right in front of me, but he always struck me as a guy that was shooting from inside 15 or 20 feet, whether it was off the rush or whether it was banging in a rebound, whether it was getting into the front of the net with deflections, what have you. Like the the greasy goals, in the fabric of the game, if you will, to steal a Glenn Gullitsonism. And I think he can get back to that a little bit more. And you're right, I... I think even the 14.9% shooting percentage on his on his career is a little skewed by that 9.34 last season because as you mentioned he was 18.9 the year before when he scored 35 he was still 19.8 in 202021 and 15.6 in his first full season of the NHL so historically he's shown he can shoot above 15% and boy do the Calgary Flames need him to do that because there is if there's one question about the Calgary. Well, there isn't just one question about the Calgary Flames because you can pretty much go through the lineup and ask a bazillion questions. But one of the main ones is going to be how are the Calgary Flames going to produce goals and how are they going to do that in the absence of the guy that was their leading scorer a season ago in Tyler Toffoli? And I look at a couple of guys. I look at Sharon Govich. Obviously, Jonathan Huberto has to bounce back. But Andrew Mangiapane is a big piece of that in my books. Um, this text comes in says you're putting him at 100, putting him at 185 shots under Daryl Sutter with the new head coach. He could get more shots, and if he's at 14, percent he might get 30 goals. And I, you know, if you, I, I said half a shot per game. That's maybe a little high. That would take him from 181 to about 220. Oh, half a shot, half yeah. a shot per game. Sorry, yeah. Okay, quarter shot a game gets him to around 200 shots. 200 times 13 percent, 26 goals. 200 times 14% 28 goals. That to me seems very realistic. Realistic, yeah. 20, 25 to 30 is a range which I think is realistic for Manjapani. In fact, I think it would be a disappointing year if he didn't get back to that because I would be disappointed anyway because I think I'm very confident he's capable of it. I'm very confident that that is the, the type of player he is at this stage of his career. Like he's an established Solid goal scorer in the league. I, I don't. I don't know if you don't have a line like the Lindholm, Gaudreau, Kachuk line. I don't know if he's getting thirty-five again because everything kind of just trickled down from that line uh, the the season before last. But on a team that's a little bit more offensively oriented, as we've heard, whether it's Ryan Huska or the chat we had a few weeks ago with Kale McLean or whoever whoever you talk to. There's going to be more of an emph- emphasis on, a, on an up-tempo offense and more maybe exciting offense. You add that into a natural bounce back and a fully healthy Mangiapane. Yeah, even more so than Huberdeau. I am. I don't know if it'll be as dramatic as Huberdeau because if Huberdeau gets 75, 80 points, that's a massive swing from the year before. But I think I'm most confident that Mangiapane bounces back to what we believe he is this season. And you want to know what's even more important than that? What? He believes it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if Pat Steinberg or Aaron Vickers believe he can become well, a 27 to 30 goal we, scorer. I think it matters what but we think. But he wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just the run of a mill late August avail where he's like, oh, yeah, I think I can get back to that. It was like, no, I don't see why it even, I don't see any reason why I can't get back to that or do better, like, yeah. or better than 35. All right, bud. Like, if 
that's what you like have at her because that's the kind of confidence and swagger the Calgary Flames are going to need from an offensive perspective. And if he can come back again, healthy, firing, playing that gritty, tenacious game, it bodes well for him and the team. And if you're listening, whether you're listening live or listening on the podcast right now, I have I I, I think this is important because last year was a down year. I don't remember at the home opener anybody throwing bread on the ice last season. The year before, somebody threw a loaf of bread on the ice for the home opener, and he had a career year. So I'm just saying, like, if we're into science, and I just threw a bunch of math and science at you, seems pretty scientific that you should throw up. Somebody, if not multiple people, should be throwing fresh loaves of bread on the ice in a non-projectile way, just in like a... You know, don't throw it at anybody, but get it on the ice, similar to the octopus or the rats or whatever. We we need some bread on the ice at the home opener this year. And I'm so sorry to the to the ice crews like Steinberg, shut up. But I, I think that that to me, that seems that screams science to me. October eleventh, Winnipeg Jets, player intros. Let's see a nice loaf of French bread or a good Italian crusty bread on the ice to celebrate a bounce-back year for Andrew Mangiapane. I think Pat Steinberg just threw down a challenge to the Flames faithful at Scotiabank Saddledome on October I probably, 11th. I probably shouldn't have. Right, now, when that happens, because no, it's certainly going to happen now, will you remember, will you call back this episode, will you cut that clip Absolutely, and I put will. it on air? Yes. I appreciate you. Um, will Pat pay my fine to CPS if I throw a baguette? Will there be a fine? If there's a fine, then don't do it. I just know that there was bread on the ice for game one. Now, did he score in that game one, or was it just randomly a toss? I remember. It just came to my head right now. If only I had the game log right here, Patrick. Do you? I do. And? He did. It was at Edmonton. Oh, no, that was the home opener. He scored in the season opener at Edmonton, did not score in the home opener against Anaheim. Okay. So you don't even need to wait for him to score a goal, apparently. You can just toss one, as per Pat Steinberg. Maybe we shouldn't... uh... Oh, this says, Pat, I'm part of the ice crew. Bread's okay. Okay, we have sign-off. Just, again, be safe about it. But you know what? I think, uh, I think it might... Uh, I'm glad that we got the... Uh, I'm glad that we got the... Um, like, do we need to verify that that person is indeed part of the ice crew? <laughs> You're pretty good with numbers. I don't, I okay. don't know off the top, top of my head. But, hey, if you want him to get to 30 goals again, there's your scientific reason or scientific way to make it happen. It's Pat Vickers along with you, and uh, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. This hour of Flames Talk starting to wrap up. Uh, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems wet basement. They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com.